It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David. Love the new introduction. Love it. Well, thank you. It's fun to uh, change things up from time to time. And it's also great to have you with me on today's show I have not seen a breathing human body for, <laughs> it's been like, I've been sequestered for Are you accusing weeks. me of breathing? Well, I want to be clear, you're not actually here. But, but I sound have, like it, right? Well, no, we got a lot of cool technology. And, and have you noticed, like, when you listen to or watch the, you know, TV news and everybody's broadcasting from their homes? I mean, these people make millions, gazillions of dollars. Look how much better we sound than them. I know. That's because we're not making millions and gazillions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, but I don't get it. You know, it's got that it, – it's, it's like they're broadcasting from an empty can of baked beans. Well, you know, it's as an just... actor, I would get really, really nervous if I knew I was being paid a lot. If I knew I was <laughs> – if I was working on the cheap, then it was no problem. Yeah. Listen, so we have been talking real seriously most of the time here the past five, six weeks with this, you know, horrible, horrible epidemic. But I made a decision, I guess it was two weeks ago, that I'm just lightening things up because I'm an entertainer. That's what I do. I'm, you can get all the COVID-19 news you want just by looking at your wristwatch, for Pete's sake. Our job is to give people a reason to smile and some fun things to do while they're under quarantine. Yes, it's challenging, isn't it? it well, it is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but you even mentioned t to me the other day that I guess it was kind of getting under your skin. And you're such an optimist as I think I am, too. But it does wear you down, I must say. Well, I know that you are, and I am, uh, and we work in, in industries that are very sociable, and, and we have a lot of personal contact with people, and we like to entertain our customers, and not being able to do that makes you kind of feel like uh, you're in jail. And you know where it really, really hit me was over Easter, because I know that you and your wife, Cheryl, would have invited me over for Easter dinner. Yes. Uh, under normal circumstances, but instead I I baked a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
That's good. Uh, Cheryl is a gourmet cook, and she would have put together something that was incredible. And we actually talked a lot about that, that this is the first Easter in a long time, because we used to live in L.A., and we'd do the same thing. In L.A., we'd, we'd say we invited our orphans over, people that didn't have a, a family. We would share uh, Thanksgiving and Easter with them. And this is the first time in ugh, decades that we have not been able to do that. I've been to actually multiple orphan parties at your house, <laughs> and believe me, it's a rare occasion that I would say, boy, I'm glad to be an orphan. <laughs> but, yeah, but I must say, yeah. and I know that you're going to feel bad about this, but we ate well, just the two of us. <laughs> you know, and I got to get onto the show, but I just want to tell you that I, I sat, I didn't actually roast a chicken. I made uh, Cornish game hens, oh. little baby chickens, right? Yeah, I and love I, that. I, and I, and I, and I, I made a side dish, and then I, I sat in the middle of the living room floor with Henry, my little white uh, 18-pound ball of fluff, who you know, and we ate the entire Cornish game hen without fork or knife or anything, just our fingers. <laughs> so you're and saying that Henry taught you how to eat properly then, right? Well, uh, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess kind of. And I would, uh, you know, give him peace, and then I'd get two, and then he'd get one, and I'd get two, which was really out of balance when you think about it because he's only 18 pounds. So wow. he, proportionally, he proportionally got a lot more. Hey, let's talk about the thing that's really hot with wineries and anybody that's into wine right now. And it was actually it was my idea originally. I I mentioned it before I heard anybody else talking about it. I'm I'm not going to take credit for it, but it's the virtual wine tastings. And if you're into wine, if you're on Facebook or Instagram or any social media for that matter, you're going to find all kinds of offers to join these virtual wine tastings. And I love the idea, but I'm going to say if you're going to do that, folks, really do your homework. Don't just dive in head first because some of them are really well-conceived and then some of them are just lame. What do you think? Well, uh, I know what you're talking about. And I think the big challenge is that you are thinking that everybody has to be drinking the same wine at the same yes. time. I think they should be. Yeah, I think they should be too. However, when you, when you taste wine and then you ask somebody else, what does that wine taste like? They usually don't come up with something that is quite in line with you. I mean, how do you really yeah. know what somebody else is tasting. Yeah. Well, somebody mentioned the other day that they were doing a virtual wine tasting and they were choosing some wines which were, you know, just kind of, in my opinion, ho-hum wines that you could get at your grocery store or other places that are open that sell wine, you know, during a lockdown here. And I shouldn't call it lockdown, but it kind of is, right? Anyway, um, that to me isn't, it really isn't that special, when you do that, now, if you were choosing, let's say, three wines that you could get, you could know that you're going to be able to get all over the place, and they're really good wines that have not really gotten the attention they deserve, that would be a completely different story. And, you know, and everybody's probably got a store like Total Wine, our sponsor, you know, near them, and you're going to find, you know, all kinds of situations like that where anybody that, you know, has access to a store is going to be able to get the wine. But I just think it's more interesting to do what the, a lot of the wineries are doing, which is they're just overnighting wine to you. Then you have the winemaker there, and he's talking about the wine, and that's what you would do normally, and... You can do it virtually, and it's a heck of a lot of fun. Now, people are probably wondering how this winemaker is there with you. You have to mention that 
we're using an internet uh, meeting uh, system. There's there's several of them. The one I like is Zoom, which I wished I would have bought stock in that company. But in Zoom, you can you can get a star. You can get the winemaking star right there on your screen. Right, exactly. And that's what you really want. Although I would say this, there's there's a, a totally different concept out there, uh, similar but totally different, and it is virtual happy hour. Go ahead and explain that, okay? Well, well first of all, what we do is we only invite people who are wine people, who know a little bit about wine and who we trust their palate, etc., and it's kind of a show and tell, really. I mean, we're not drinking the same wine. However, they're introducing us to a wine that they're drinking. And what's really cool about the visual aspect is they'll hold the wine up to the, to the camera and show you the label. And then, of course, I'm taking notes because that might be a wine that I want to try. And uh, we uh, describe what we're having. And, and, of course, there's a lot of wonderful chit-chat going on as well. But this way, it's it's kind of a... Look what we have. And, oh, gee, I, I've got to try that. And we'll take notes and make sure that we can uh, get that wine. Okay, you gave me, a, you gave me an idea that I have, I have not seen so far. And I've, I've seen all kinds of postings about these kinds of events. Hey, can you hang with me for just a second? Because I want to throw an idea at you. Are you able to do that? Absolutely. Okay, good. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters. And we've got our announcer, Brent Keast, on the well, you're not even on the phone, really. We're doing this through the miracle of technology. Sounds like you're sitting right here, which is great. We sound better. Hey, we sound better than CNN, MSNBC, Fox. We sound better than all of them. That's right, because we don't have to look at each other when we do this. Yeah, well, not only that, we don't, we don't, we don't sound like we're, we're talking inside a coffee can. Yeah. They yeah. always have that awful sound. And, and then something, what is that called, that fragmenting sound oh it's called artifacts artifacts Artifacts. yeah and artifacts are these like awful sounding squealing sounds that happen when you do things digitally you know we're way above that right right okay hey we're going to be back with more grape encounters right after this i'm going to hand it over to you brent take us out There was a time not so long ago when our wine choices were a mere fraction of what they are today, which means the possible conversations we can have about wine are endless. That's why it's imperative that we pace ourselves, take a break now and then, and give the folks who make Grape Encounters possible an opportunity to share the amazing things they're doing. David will be right back. David is back, and from the look of things, he's as revved up and as ready as a rodeo bull with an unwanted cowboy on his back. Hmm, bad metaphor. After all, the chances of keeping your wine in the glass while a bull is trying to 86 you from the party are slim to none. Oh my gosh, it's always a fun day when our announcer and my buddy Brent Keast is with us, and I failed to mention Brent in the first segment that you are not just an announcer. You're not just good looking. You're not just a wonderful actor, writer, renaissance man. You also make wine. Yes, I do. It's a it's a home. Uh, it's kind of a hobby type of thing. However, you know, when you live in wine country, I've got people that 
collaborate with me and give me good advice. And I have two times entered my wine in the Mid-State Fair in Paso Robles, California, and won gold medals. That's that's fantastic. And I'm a city slicker. Well, you're not anymore. <laughs> not anymore, no. How long have you lived in the country now? I'm a gentleman farmer now. But how long have you been in the country? Uh, well, I, I kind of grew up going to visit my cousins uh, in the San Joaquin Valley who lived in the country, even though I was a city slicker. But so I've, we've been here 10 years. Yeah. So you've got tenure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let's go back to the... the no the laugh, ver- though. I used to think tenure meant that, that you worked <laughs> okay. someplace for 10 years. Well, okay. that is You certainly weren't an educator. <laughs> okay. Let's go back to these virtual wine experiences. And by the way, I, you know, I, I alluded to the fact that you should look for one that really looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and then join the action. But Let's not forget the fact that you can organize one, too. And just about like 10 minutes online and uh, developing an understanding of systems like Zoom, which are, are simple, stupid, you can do this and you can have a lot of fun. But Brent, you were talking about how you're doing these and everybody shows up in front of the screen with their own bottle and it's a virtual happy hour and they're talking about the wine I was thinking, couldn't you take that one step further and make it a contest where, let's say there are 12 people or 20 people for that matter involved in this event, and then at the end, they all vote for which wine presentation impressed them the most. I want everybody to, with passion, talk up their wine, and then then we sit back and go, you know what? Based on that recommendation and that review... Uh, the wine that I'm, I would first buy from all of these 20 wines would be that one, Brent's wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one, uh, the wine I'd buy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, well, that's and then, a cool idea. Yeah. Well, then look what happens is that it creates some energy and passion. And, you know, people would do a little uh, preparation before they got in front of the camera. It could be really super fun. Yeah. That's a cool idea. It'd be kind of like being on Shark Tank, but you don't get anything. (laughs) You don't get anything. Well, we don't have to be mercenary. We can, you know, we can be on Shark Tank and not get anything. Yeah. Hey, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'll be announcing it next week. I am going to be making available, and and I'm calling it my date night package, but I'm going to be making available to people a blending kit where they get three bottles of wine they get a couple of amazing Riedel glasses that you can't buy on the open market and some tools necessary to take these wines and blend them into different configurations, which A, will not only give you a better understanding of wines and wine blending, but B, will be incredibly fun and see and this is the important one you will suddenly go from having three bottles of wine to having maybe 10 different wines because you're going to be blending them this way and that way and the other way and it's going to be so much fun and i'm going to be available online to walk you through the exercise oh that's great so they'll have some sort of measuring cup or something in order to yeah just a a little um, measuring beaker and then what will happen is you can just contact us there will be a place where you can sign up we don't have that online yet i'll be announcing it next week but you can sign up and then you'll get this stuff it will arrive at your doorstep the next day 
That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. And if you can't do it at the time that we're doing it as a group, you'll still have the recording of the session that you can then play and, and you can still play along. You just won't be able to interact as well. So that's kind of what we're doing. But I liked the idea because that way you could get three wines and you could create endless combinations of those wines. And so it's almost like having 20 wines. I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah, what a, what a great idea. And so many people have been uh, telling me this, and I think you might even be one of them, that couples are doing date nights and, you know, really having fun and in some cases dressing up and actually taking off the T-shirt that they've been wearing for the last eight days straight and, <laughs> and right and getting dressed up and then, you know, doing a date night thing. So I thought this is a perfect date night. That is. And, and you could, you know, wear like a French beret or something and uh, try to be Pepe La Pew. Well, OK, <laughs> you could be a skunk. All right. <laughs> Going back to the virtual wine tastings, though. I just want to say this. You can certainly go onto Facebook and you can search for that. But most wineries appear to be doing some kind of thing like that. You can go, for instance, to the Wine Institute's website. Just Google Wine Institute, probably put in there California, and it'll take you to the consumer website and they will have a list of wineries that are doing different things you know, during this crisis. And there's lots of those lists available. If you're even a little bit good at Google, you'll be able to find uh, probably hundreds, if not thousands of those things. And pick one that sounds intriguing to you and, and do it. A lot of these wineries are also offering really, really good prices on the wines and typically are waiving shipping charges or at least reducing it down to practically nothing because they want to stay in touch and develop their business, grow their business during this terrible time. And essentially, the, the winery is still open and people still work there. They just have compartmentalized them in, in different parts. The only thing that uh, is not there is a tasting room. It's everything else but a tasting room. It's very important for them to be able to continue to nurture the wines that are being produced there. And if, if that was shut down, it would be so catastrophic for them. Anyway, we're going to have to move on here, Brent. I did want to mention, you know, last week we spent a good deal of time talking about our virtual winemaking. We're making mead wine together. And if you haven't gotten in on that yet, uh, you can go uh, to grapeencounters.com and find our mead wine recipe. And I would encourage you also to listen to its episode 560 and it will walk you through what we're doing we're all making wine at home it's not too late to jump in it'll probably cost you just a couple of dollars to do it and you probably have the stuff that you need to be able to make this very unusual wine that doesn't contain any grapes at home how about that brent wow i need mead I've got a need for mead. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for my visit with Brent. And uh, so, Brent, you do your little thing here, and we'll check in with you here in the next few days. That's great. Three times an hour, we pause for a couple of minutes so that we can pass the microphone over to the wonderful people who support our weekly wine conversations. They make this show very special, so please give them your undivided attention. If you don't, we may decide not to share the good stuff with you. We'll be back before you know it.
We're back with more Grape Encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. One of the things that I've been thinking about as we all sit in quarantine, and it has to do with wineries, of course, and it has nothing to do with wine. It's the fact that a big part of many wineries' income comes from weddings and events. And I got to think that there are just a gazillion brides and grooms out there who are going, what in the world? What are we going to do? I'm sure a lot of them have already missed their weddings, but what a predicament, you know? It's one thing to have an event, whatever the event is, a, a wine and food event canceled, but weddings are so important, most important thing pretty much that anybody does or any couple does. So I wanted to get some perspective on this, and I am turning to an expert. Her name is Mary Litzinger, and she runs a company called VP Events in Southern California. And Mary, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Happy to be here. I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you. Well, I'm not sure that you are looking forward to it because I'm guessing you're missing out on a lot of business right now. Or are you? Well, we are. What I'm finding is all of our events, with the exception of one, and we're still negotiating, have postponed until later in the year. What I'm more concerned about for clients and vendors as well is the booking of new events because we're sort of in a standstill right now. People are nervous about moving on anything. When does the wedding season really kick in? Is it May? Is it June? Um, Pretty much in May. It really depends on where you are geographically, but given the nature of wine and the winery business, most of what we see is in late spring through early fall. So there are already weddings that have been canceled, correct? Correct. We have canceled and postponed weddings already. So how well are the couples taking it and are brides freaking out more than the grooms or is it the other way around no it's kind of interesting because most of what i'm seeing is the brides getting a little bit more anxious than the grooms but the grooms are really stepping up as most do in relationships and really comforting their you know partners and doing their best to help them guide and move through this you got to think about it for a second you know a typical wedding will have what a couple hundred people is that about right usually A lot of what I see at winery weddings is, unless it's a really large winery, I see more boutique-type weddings, you know, anywhere from 50 to 100, 125 people, Uh some bigger, some smaller. And, of course, the people who are attending the wedding are coming from all over the place, and most can't fly right now. The wineries can't host weddings right now. The backlog, I'm going to guess, by the time they, as they say, open the country back up, is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be crazy. It is. And I have been trying to encourage people to continue to plan because the dates are going to go away, especially if you've got your heart set on a certain destination or a certain, you know, winery. Those dates, I mean, they can only hold so many events. Some of them only one a day, given their permit. So people need to book. 
and just make sure on the booking that you've got the clauses in place to be able to reschedule again should you need to. So these dates are going to disappear faster than a 24-roll pack of Charmin. Pretty much. <laughs> Sorry. Pretty much. We're already seeing it on the weddings that we've been postponing to new dates. It's yeah. not like, you know, I have a lot of people that are thinking that there's going to be so many options out there, but that's not the case because people are rebooking. And that doesn't count the people that have already booked and aren't necessarily affected by COVID-19 as of yet. So we're going to continue to talk about weddings, but I, I want to back up just a little bit here for a second and really talk about events in general, because I go to, I have no idea how many wine-related events in a year, but it's a lot, practically every weekend for sure. And all of them so far have been canceled. And in fact, some of the really great, big, amazing events have been canceled. And I think I should probably go through that list uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks, because we're talking about events that will attract thousands of people. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I look at it and I go, okay, well, I understand that. But my heart bleeds for people who are getting married. But going back to those events, at what point do you as an event planner start advising your clients to rebook. We're not out of quarantine just yet, but let's grab a date. Is that right now? We started doing that several weeks ago just to make sure that people had options. And it's very heartbreaking to have that conversation with a bride and a groom or with, you know, corporate clients in general. But the brides and grooms take it harder because, again, it's so emotional. You've had your heart set on this date, and now that date's not going to happen. And so we've started rebooking, re, you know, postponing, looking at some of them had to look at other venues because they're just tied to certain travel times, which may or may not happen either. So looking at other venues from the perspective that these other venues may not have been initially booked as tight as the one that they were going to have their wedding at. That could absolutely be the fact. And then you also have people who say, okay, we've pulled all of our guests and the best time for us is going to be September. So find out for me what Fridays and Saturdays are available in September. And then you go back to them and say, well, your choices are very limited. So that's when we step in and say, perhaps you want to consider something more midweek, a Sunday, something else that might work for your friends and family. Because if they're traveling from afar, you can get away with a little of those date-changing options. So I, I know that I'm bouncing back and forth between weddings and other events, but the simple fact remains that, especially when we're talking about wineries, the profits for most winemakers on wine are pretty thin, and they almost have to do events in order to balance their books. It's, it's critical. And a lot of these wine weddings... They're like $10,000 plus, right? I mean, I've seen them way higher than that. But even at small wineries, it's a big ticket item. And you can understand just how important that would be toward payroll. I just, Absolutely. I, I just wonder how many of your clients, and we're going beyond weddings for a second, how many are going to try to have their event at a later date versus those that are just going to say, we're done for 2020? Well, it's, it's a mix because what I have been telling clientele is that it's, in my, my opinion, is that it's in their best financial interest to rebook the date right. and not just to cancel because you want to, those funds that you have paid, everyone is working really hard right now to keep the clients happy. And I am seeing some really nice negotiations going on to make new dates work for the clients. And if you just flat out cancel, it depends on the clauses in your contract. You may 
be out a lot of money. So without naming any names, are you running into any venues, especially we're talking about wineries right now, where they're just plain saying, sorry, it's not our fault. We're going to keep your deposit or no, no. Everybody's working. It's like, you know, a real broad based teamwork is what I'm seeing. And I'm not seeing anyone being too greedy out there and just being insistent on things. They're working with the clients. All the vendors are. When you do that sort of thing, word travels fast. And the last thing you want to do is get a bad reputation in the age of Yelp, you know, because, you know, once you do that and somebody says, hey, they took our money and we didn't get anything for it, you know, we're, we're just done. I want to talk about a different kind of event that is almost always these days wine-centric in one way or another. And I'm talking about food and wine events that exist for the purpose of raising money. Right. These are the big, huge events. I actually am a sponsor of two of those where literally thousands of people you know, come out. But what's particularly disturbing about those events, uh, in my mind, is the fact that they have to spend, the organizers have to spend literally a year going out and getting auction items and selling tickets. And I mean, it takes from the day that they finish their last event to the day that the doors open for their next event. They're working, organizing this stuff. Are you involved in any of those or do you have any insight that you can offer us in terms of, you know, what these people are doing? I don't have one right now, but what I can tell you is they're scrambling and they're working 24-7 because it's more people. It's all the various vendors. I mean, when you look at a standard event, you've got a caterer, a photographer, you know, yeah. you've got, it's, it's very limited. When you start getting into those big events, you might have 50 caterers. You might have a hundred wineries involved. Got it. Yeah. And to reschedule all of that is intense. Plus, you've got all of the people who were going to be attending who might be suffering their own financial hardships. Oh, yeah. No. And are, are going to want to, cancel or, you know, see it postponed to another time. It's a quagmire. Actually, you make a really good point there, and I want to come back to that point. We're talking to Mary Litzinger. She is the director of VP Events based out of Southern California, and they do all sorts of events from weddings to just monster major events. And that has been an industry that has been horribly affected by COVID-19. But I've got some solutions, Mary, which I'm going to offer in just a second. I'm going to save your business. Okay? Thanks. Sounds good. Okay, I'll be back. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Stay with us. (laughs) You're not going anywhere. What am I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. Right, there have got to be quite a few people who are listening to the show today that have planned a wedding for this year and you have no fingernails left and you are absolutely going out of your mind freaking out about what you're going to do. I have somebody here, a voice of reason here on the show today. It's Mary Litzinger. She runs VP Events. And they do a lot of weddings, a lot of different kinds of stuff, from big stuff to intimate stuff. And Mary, you are really at the eye of the hurricane right now, where it comes to events. I wouldn't want to be. True. I wouldn't want to be you. <laughs> I don't guess that you get paid more to try to pull this thing out of the fire after it's all collapsed. 
Well, contractually, I could, but I'm not doing that to my clients. I mean, if there's a few extra hours that are charged to make some adjustments, we'll work through that. Yeah, but in terms of, you know, canceling their contract and rebooking and all of that that's technically in the contract, I'm trying to be more flexible with my clients. So let me ask you this. Let's start with weddings. Of all of the different kinds of venues that are out there to have a wedding at, where would you rank wineries on that continuum? I rank them very high because they're beautiful. The properties are absolutely stunning. The care that the owners and the winemakers take with their products and their venues are just stunning. I mean, if I drive out to, say, San Ynez or someplace like that for a day, it feels like a day of vacation because it's just so beautiful. You make a really good point there because so many wineries emulate wineries in Europe. And I've been Mm -hmm. to so many wineries where you could swear that you were in Tuscany or some similar kind of a place, Bordeaux, whatever. And I'm guessing that when a couple comes to you and they're just starting to consider where they want to have their wedding, that wineries are generally on the list of possibilities? We typically talk about those with clients because it's just such a beautiful opportunity. And when you compare them to the pricing of other venues, they can be very competitive in that arena. And sometimes if a client decides not to do their wedding for any reason, we then start talking about the rehearsal dinner or a brunch after the wedding. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for wineries. Definitely. And the other thing that's great about wineries is, first of all, they've always got wine. But second of all, in this day and age, I would say that probably most wineries have a food component now. I mean, it's really common for them to have a chef. So that makes it kind of the whole package, right? It does. And that's going to take you back, though, to the client. Some clients have their eyes set on a certain chef or a restaurant or something that they want. So it really depends on what the client wants. And that sort of directs us, too, on what wineries we recommend to them. I said I was going to offer a solution that was going to not just save your bacon, but the bacon of a lot of couples who are stressed out right now. It's just an idea, okay? If you're looking forward to getting married this year, my first recommendation is don't. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But (laughs) that has nothing to do with COVID. Just don't do it. Anyway, if you're planning on getting married this year and your wedding is in doubt and there are all these other plans that revolve around getting married, like buying a house or renting an apartment and living together for Pete's sake. You know, you, you're old fashioned. You want to be married, but you, you don't want to live together until you both have a ring on your finger. My suggestion is you come here to the Grape Encounter studio and I'll marry you. Then you can have your pomp and circumstance, your big wedding later on. You know, don't stress. You'll already be married. And plus, you'll get to spend the day with me. Isn't that a good idea? I think that's a great idea. I think people would love that. And then you get to select different wineries to come and provide some wine for a toast. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's just a good solution. I'm more than willing to do it. I'm going to charge next to nothing. Just give me a good bottle of wine. That's all. (laughs) I'll be happy. But no, seriously, I would think, Mary, that this is going to be a decision that we're going to see a lot of couples make, that they're going to go to the courthouse or whatever. They're going to get married and then not stress over 
the ceremony where family and friends attend. Uh, that would seem to me to be the most logical thing you could do. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I do have at least one client that's considering doing that right now just because they want to have the wedding, but they're going to change. The other thing is that people do that all the time when they're doing a destination wedding, you know, not because of COVID, but if someone is going to go to, say, Mexico or some island out in the Caribbean, a lot of times they'll go to the courthouse and then when they get there, they're married, but the friends and family don't necessarily know. So this is an option that I think is wonderful for people. Okay, so several years ago, I was asked by some friends of mine to join them in the Caribbean and marry them. I went there a couple of days early. And by the way, I flew there first class. I used points. I was bringing my girlfriend, but she broke up with me two days before. So I had a lot of room in first class, like <laughs> an empty seat next to me. <laughs> Not only that, it was a wedding at a couple's resort. And so there I was with all of these couples that were starting to show up. And guess what else showed up, Mary? Correct. No, a Category 5 hurricane. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the wedding never happened. Most of the guests didn't get there when the dust had settled, even though it was a major hurricane. It didn't do as much damage where they were at, so they needed to move forward with the wedding. But I had to go back home because I had other commitments. So th that's exactly what they did. They had somebody else do the ceremony there, and then they threw a second wedding in San Diego. There you have it. Exactly. And I think that's brilliant. Now, I got one last question. We got time for one more. One of the things that we're all beginning to hear a lot is that we might have to expect that this nasty virus is going to resurface again later this year. So what really scares me on behalf of people who are doing weddings and events at wineries and other places as well is the fact that if we rebook for the fall and there's a possibility of this coming back, are we just going to go through the same misery all over again? What's what's your advice? Let's leave people with that. I think that's a possibility. I'm always going to be looking at the bottom line for my clients, especially in the era of COVID-19. And what I would say is make sure you're protected contractually. The more protected you are in your contracts and financially, the better off you'll feel. Is there insurance available for events like this in the case of natural disasters, that sort of thing? There are some insurances available, but you have to make sure that the company that you're talking to has what they call in any case insurance okay. that's available for events. Otherwise, ever since I believe it was either SARS or Ebola, a lot of the insurance companies have excluded losses from pandemics and epidemics. Got it. So you want to make sure that they're going to cover this. Hey, Mary, we're going to have to call it quits for the day. I'm really sorry. I'd love to talk to you more. I've had a good time talking with you, and I think that you've given us a lot of valuable information for people who want to know more about your services and want to contact you for their event. Is it vpevents.com? That's correct. Do you do events everywhere, or what's your territory? We travel worldwide, so we're open. Oh, awesome. We're open for business. Awesome. You know what, listeners? It's not about the venue. It's not about how expensive the wines are that you serve. It's not about how big or tall the wedding cake is. It's about really being in love. And if you're not and you question it, don't get married. Take it from me. <laughs> I know a lot about this. <laughs> okay. See you later, guys.